This book is just tremendous. We have wholeheartedly obeyed the new teaching and trusted you. If God had not breathed into Adam's nostrils, Adam would have remained just a lump of dust. How should we then treat the Bible? All of us are sinners and saved only by grace. For worship, we were created. And for worship, we should ever live. Jesus died for our sins. And so, now that we have put our faith in Him, He takes away our sins. Good morning, my dear friends. How is life treating you? Are you happy in the Lord? Are you enjoying His love, His joy, His peace, His protection, His provision? Then it's a matter of thanksgiving indeed. So we praise God for giving us life, the air to breathe, the, and ears to hear, eyes to see, and hands to serve Him, mouth to speak, proclaim, proclaim His goodness, and uh, our feet to take us out to do His work in the mission field. And the, what we are doing today is part of it, recording this message and broadcasting it abroad that others may hear as we have heard and that they may, be, they may benefit from it. Join us therefore in listening to what God is telling us. Let us be quick to trust and obey God, to put into practice what we have learned. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for this wonderful day. Oh, the sun is shining, the sky is blue, there are birds singing in, up here in the sky, in the trees. I mean, the world is turning around just like it was from the beginning. That is because you are in charge, you are in control. That's because your goodness is everlasting. You are love, you are patience, you are forgiveness. Father, help us to come to draw ever close, closer to you. Help us, Father, to listen with a keen ear what you desire for us to be, what you desire for us to be doing here in the world. And we shall learn it when we pay attention to your word and put it into practice. Be with us then, Lord. May your Holy Spirit guide us as we proclaim this message from your holy words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are going to, we are proceeding with our study of the book of uh, Habakkuk. Now we are at uh, chapter 2. Uh, we've done a bit of it. And today we shall be doing Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. <clears throat> and this is what the word of the Lord says. Indeed, wine betrays him. He is arrogant and never at rest because he is as greedy as a grave and like death, he is never satisfied. He gathers to himself all nations and takes captive 
of all the peoples. Will not all of them taunt him with ridicule and scorn, saying, Woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion. How long must this go on? Will not your debtors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you will become their victim. Because you have plundered many nations, the peoples who are left will plunder you. For you have shed man's blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Woe to him who builds his realm by unjust gain to set his nest on high, to escape the clutches of ruin. You have plotted the ruin of many peoples, shaming your own house and forfeiting your life. The stones of the wall will cry out and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by crime. Has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor in only that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire that nations will exhaust themselves for nothing for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors pouring it from the wineskin till they are drunk, so that he can gaze on their naked bodies. You will be filled with shame instead of glory. Now it is your turn. Drink and be exposed. The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming round to you, and his grace will cover your glory. The violence you have done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, and your destruction of animals will terrify you, for you have shed man's blood. You have destroyed lands and cities, and everyone is in them. Of what value is an idol, since a man has covered it? Or an image that teaches lies, for he who makes it trusts in his own creation. He makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to wood, come to life, or to lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? It is covered with gold and silver. There's no breath in it. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Amen. I beg your pardon. I, I said we are reading up to verse 11, 5 to 11, but we are going out actually up to the end, verse 20. Um, and I want us, I, I did, I'm, I determined to do that because I want us to capture those five woes together uh, rather than in bits and pieces. Uh, 
they, they, they um, so so our reading is chapter is Habakkuk chapter two verses five up to the end uh, up to verse twenty. And what is the Lord telling us? Now um, we already saw how Habakkuk received an oracle or a message and how he complained to God about God's apparent inaction against the evil that was taking place then in Habakkuk's own country and city, you know, the, the, the nation of Judah, the, part of, the only part of Israel that was left, uh, you know, that in existence. And, 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 and there was so much crime and evil, uh, bloodshed, corruption, and all manner of uh, evil was taking place in that country. And God was just letting it happen without taking action, without punishing anybody. Instead, those who are doing evil, the oppressors, those who are exploiting the poor and the needy, they were getting richer and richer and more and more powerful. And things were really getting out of hand. And that's when God gave him this message to be taken to the entire earth, to the, all the nations. And God, one of the things that God said is that he, he made it clear. He knew exactly what was happening and he knew what he was going to do about it. But it must happen at the right time, at God's own appointed time. And so we go on then to see a part of what uh, is going to happen to the evil nation of Babylon, which God was going to use to punish um, the people of Judah, his own people, mind you. And in our reading this morning, the, what is going to happen is presented to us in the form of five woes. My understanding of woe is something that is very sad, that brings tears to our eyes, I mean, and shock. Something sad, something of that kind is going to happen uh, when God raises his hand against the not, ju not just the Babylonians. The message to the world was when God raises his hand against evil and evildoers, the whole earth is going to mourn and cry and weep. So these five wars then, we should look at them not as just um, aimed for rebuking Judah or for punishing Babylon, but it's how God is going to deal with any kind of evil in the world he created. Ah, the world is our inheritance, my friends. So we need to take part in proclaiming this message and these woes to the nations. So there are, uh, I want us to look at these five woes, but let us first of all be reminded 
that the enemy, the evildoer, is ever so proud and arrogant. He thinks he's above the law, that even God cannot touch him. Let us now listen to what is going to happen to this evil man, this evil doer. So in, in our verses, what God is doing is that he is beginning to lay out the ultimate, the ultimate destruction of Babylon and also has already said the destruction of all that is impure, all that is in evil, that it is all be banished from his world. Now, the action itself took about 60 years to happen, to take place. But the, it doesn't matter how long, it did happen, did it not? Now, whatever God promises, let it be said again, whatever God promises, he always does, without fail. So as God himself said in chapter 1, though it linger, though it linger, wait for it. In chapter 1 verse 3, though his action linger, wait for it because it will happen. God, God's promises never fail. <clears throat> so then, let us look at these five woes that describe the fate of the evil Babylonians and the fate of every other evil doer. In our verses 6 to 8, we see injustice condemned and um, this injustice is present in either a very powerful person or a nation that, um, that makes itself or himself rich by robbing others. Theft, pure theft, my friends. And not only that, by shedding blood. That action, that person, that nation, that nation is doomed to destruction. It is a curse and is going to take effect at God's own appointed time. They, these nations, or these evildoers, will themselves be plundered. As they have plundered other people, they will too be plundered in their own due time. Their victims, their victims that have taken, you know, captive, the people, the victims of their oppression, of their suppression, of their, you know, the target of their evil doing, will one day, will one day rise up. They will rise up, they will first, they will first of all mock this strong man, this evildoer, and ultimately, with God's help, they will rise up in revolt, in rebellion, and overthrow their oppressor. Now, if you're a reader of history, 
I mean, you must have seen cases of of that kind, you know, in 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 past, you know, uh, in history, and in cases where the oppressed people, even slaves at one time or another, revolted uh, against their op their their those who had enslaved them. A good example is the the, the little island of um, Haiti. And, and, and it happened in many other places. And we shall come to that in a moment. So here then is the second war. So that is the first war that we just discussed. The second war. Uh, verses 9 to 11. A curse is pronounced against getting rich at the expense of the poor. This, My friends, let me underline this. There are times when as Christians have believed, wrongly believed, that it is that to be to be poor, you know, that God the desire for Christians is that we we are poor. That owning property and, and, and owning business and making money and getting rich is, is a sin. You are wrong. That if you have that kind of mindset, you are wrong. Because the world belongs to God and all the world belongs to God. And who is better entitled to enjoy that wealth of our Creator than God's own children? No. What is condemned is getting rich by unlawful means, by doing evil, by robbing from others. By killing and robbing others, or by clever tricks on other people. So those who make themselves rich at the expense of the poor, or at the expense of anybody else, that person is doomed. He is under God's curse, and the wrath of God hovers over his head. Even the very stones even the, uh, the stones, the masonry, and the timber works in their own houses will cry against them. Eventually, they will lose their own lives, not just their own wealth, but their own lives. And, 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 and let us take, let us look at, uh, at, at this, because it is, we are very familiar with this kind of uh, situation. What is the lesson of this, what we just said? Our lesson up to where we are, uh, we, are, we are is that sin has no future. Let me say this. Sin has no future. Evildoers have no future, have no inheritance in God's kingdom. Crime, my friends, does not pay. Never address, therefore we should address the injustice and the inequalities that exist in our society today, starting with our very own governments and also the citizens themselves. And God has especially placed this burden as a ministry to his church. Jesus did spend time with the poor, the, the, the marginalized. We cannot do, we cannot be Christians and be different from our own Lord. And in particular, we are called to address the large 
divide between the poor between the rich and the poor this is this this is again what jesus taught and this is what he practiced he spent his time most of his time actually during his other ministry in the company hanging out with the outcasts of this world the lepers the prostitutes the money lenders you know those who had nothing no hope the poor the the sick the widows and the orphans the sick and god wants us to be like jesus jesus wants us to be like himself and so um and we know that from history is that nations rise and nations fall we shall come to that uh even as we do the next the remaining part of this book uh and we shall touch on the issue, an issue of how the the downfall of the ultimate downfall of babylon itself another great empires the third war as recorded in our verses 12 to 14 god gives his verdict on the babylonians for the prosperity they have accumulated through plundering and murdering other nations so what I, what i've been saying is that what happened to babylon is going to happen to other nations and other people who behave like babylon now and here we are called to ask the old uh, we are called to uh, to ask our uh, the age old question why at all why does god allow evil nations and evil people to prosper and become powerful why does he allow them to inflict such cruelty such pain such misery on others and the answer is from the bible god alone knows but we know that it is for god's own particular purposes another reason could be that god allows this in order to teach the rest of the world what happens when people attempt you know to pit their strength against god and against his moral laws we are talking about the babylonians remember we we read last week that their violence and their cruelty their murderous life, uh, lifestyles was their god so when you elevate yourself to the position of god whether you are a king or a president or an emperor or a rich man you are fighting god you are challenging god to a wrestling match and the result of that match is already decided so let us ask ourselves let us ask ourselves even as students of history what happened to such great empires as egypt what happened to babylon itself what happened to greece what happened to rome which at one point or another ruled you know a great part of the world what happened to the great colonial empires of europe european colonial empires and kingdoms in particular what happens to great britain and history tells us that once upon a time 
Britain had an empire covering one quarter of the earth and ruling over 458 million people. What happened to Great Britain? Is Britain great anymore? No, it still exists. What happened to these empires? Not just Britain. They all rose in great might and glory and they spread their tentacles throughout the world. The Spaniards, Portuguese, uh, well, I said Great Britain, and, and, and some, I mean, the Dutch and all that. They had colonies all over the world. In India, they spread to, 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 to Asia and then Africa. And even the Americas, at one point or another, um, USA was under the, was a, a part of the king, the British Empire. What happened? The Americans themselves fought and declared themselves a free nation. They declared their own independence away from the colonizer. And Britain, that's the one I know best because they had colonized Kenya as well. From that time on, Britain has, was on the retreat. And when we look at Britain today, it is only a shadow of what it was two centuries ago or thereabout. That is what happens to all empires. All great kingdoms who gain their wealth and power by grabbing wealth from other nations by it literally, according to the word of the Bible, stealing and robbing other nations. They all collapsed like Humpty Dumpty and broke into pieces, so much so that even the king's horses cannot and will never put them back together again. These nations and great empires were taught a lesson by God. They were made to respect other people and to live within their own means. Admittedly, God's will will always prevail, my dear friends. So let us be patient. Nations rise and fall, the glory of man will be, is always, be, would, will always getting dimmed and to be dimmed like a lamp or a candle. And the whole earth ultimately will be filled with the glory of God and the awareness of the glory of God. As much as water covers the sea, so it, Habakkuk has written in, uh, in our verse 14. So let us not be unduly troubled when evil men prosper or when evil appears to be winning. As always, God will one day arise and his enemies will be scattered. The ultimate triumph of good over evil, my friends, is certain. So let us choose to do what is right, what is good, what is noble, what is admirable. Let the evildoers continue in his way, but let us also make a point of sharing these warnings, these woes with them. Fourth war, verses 15 to 17, it is about moral corruption. And it is a curse pronounced, and there's a curse pronounced on Babylon, because of its moral corruption. And in, here in these verses, particularly, 
is scorched earth policy. Let me explain what is scorched earth policy. This was the practice of the Babylonians to, def to, 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 to carry out uh, deforestation in the nations they conquered in order to impoverish them, to make them poor. Like um, I read the other day, not, not too long ago, during this current war in Gaza, one nation was spreading soil in the, in, in the land of the enemy so that it will never be good for cultivation, for, 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 for agriculture anymore. That is what we are talking about. Scorched earth policy, but in this particular case of the Babylonians, they cut down the trees and uh, devastated the environment so that it was not good for anything else. They destroyed the environment. And what does the Bible say about this? I say this is a matter of divine, I mean, deforestation. The scorched earth policy is a matter of divine concern. Just check Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 19. Jonah verse, chapter 4, verse 11. You remember the vine and all that kind of stuff? Now, in verse 14, verse 17 of our reading, God is outraged at the destruction of human life as well as animals and the environment. So you see, the scorched earth policy doesn't spare animals and, and, other, and, and, other, and, the, and the vegetation. And so God wants the destroyer will suffer. He wants that the destroyer will suffer for what he has done. And, 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 and by the way, our topic this morning is that the hunter will become the hunted. In other words, the hunter uh, is the evildoer who goes taking captives people. And in chapter 1, uh, we, 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 he was depicted as somebody carrying a net, which he uses to catch people and, and entrap them. But one day, one day, this particular hunter will become the hunted. Amen? Now, faith, faithful, faith, woe. Wolf number five, verse 18 to 19. This is a warning and a woe to the idolater. An idolater is the one who worships idols. The idolater is puffed up with pride and an exaggerated sense of himself, his self-worth. He thinks he's, you know, superior and better than anybody else. He wants to be admired. He even wants to be worshipped. He makes an idol with his own hands and with his own tools. Then he bows down to this particular idol, his good, his own handiwork, and he worships it as a god. And verse 18 asks, Of what value is an idol, since a man has carved it? For he who makes an idol trusts in his own creation. Therefore, idol worship is not just something useless, as we might think. It is actually harmful, as it erodes a man's basic intelligence. 
How intelligent, for instance, you tell me, how intelligent is a man who seeks help from a lifeless piece of wood or a piece of broken stone that is made by man? It is truly a sad thing, is it not? Especially into this world, to this world is highly advanced, learned, and sophisticated in all areas. Yet it worships self-made idols. For instance, money, wealth, fame, beauty, title, achievement, and all that, and all that, and all that. You know, we have idols in our music. We have idols in our cinema halls and all that. We have idols in our athletic, in the, in the fields of athletics and all that, and all that. We have idols in our politics, people that we admire and worship. My friends, we must worship God alone. So, let me conclude the discussion by saying this. In very simple terms, what God is saying is this. What goes up will come down. What goes up will come down. I want us to, uh, to, to, to remember now. Let us, let us put aside the colonial empires of, you know, of Europe that ruled over Africa and Asia and part of America and all that. But let us remember what happened after independence in Africa, including my own country. What happened is that those who had long been oppressed by the colonial masters, those who had been exploited and persecuted over many years, really longed for freedom. They longed for peace and prosperity. What, what, and what happened when the colonialists finally left and um, one country after another got its independence? We elected the people that we most admired. The people who had presented themselves as freedom fighters. Some of them had been locked in prison by the colonialists where they were really persecuted and tortured. Some of them even died. And, and, and those who... Uh, yeah, who, who, who were alive when uh, South Africa was getting its sh a shift from apartheid, will remember all these things. How even people like um, Steve Biko and others like uh, Mandela were locked in prison for a long, long time. And when the apartheid died, who, who was more suited to become, who was more eligible to become uh, the first president than Nelson Mandela? You see, that is what we all did. Uh, the nations we elected, those heroes that we, and we, 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 we worshipped them as if they were little gods. What, what we got in most cases was not freedom, was not peace. And in fact, what we got from our independent governments and presidents is corruption, it's ethnicity, it's even, uh, you know, ethnic, 
a, you know, ethnic cleansing. It is all manner of evils and very shameful things happening. In the end, the victims of colonialism were worse off under their own independent governments than they were during the colonialism. It was not freedom, not independence, not uh, democracy, but dictatorships. And these dictators started stealing the mineral wealth of, 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 of Africa and our natural wealth. And with a conspiracy with uh, some foreign agents, this, this, this ship, you know, you know, this wealth, gold and other stuff, and the only benefactor, the only beneficiary, I beg your pardon, was a corrupt leader himself, the dictator and his friends. And so the economies were run down and people were more miserable than before. And then from that on, there was dissent, some dissent, some voices of trying to talk reason, but they were suppressed. They were killed, some of them ran away to hide in foreign countries. Then followed a period of military coups and counter coups, resulting in more misery, more bloodshed. The poor downtrodden citizens were poorer, more miserable than ever before. The mistake that people made, my friends, the mistake that we made in our clamor for independence is that we put our trust in a fellow man. We did not look at their moral character. We did not look at their moral standing. We looked at their, the, 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 his championing uh, our freedom on our behalf. But what was really in his heart? Was it what he did for our good or for his own good? We regarded these independence heroes as heroes as our savior, forgetting our God. Today, we keep on being told Africa, Africa in, in terms of mineral wealth is still is the richest continent on earth. But in actual fact, Africa is the poorest continent of all the continents. So what is going on? What's the problem? Africa is a very curious continent, I should say, because even as people are getting poorer and poorer, with all the mineral wealth that God has given us being exploited by others, Africa has, again has the highest concentration of churches than any other place on earth. In other words, this is, it, it, is, it, is, it, is, it is for this reason, uh, somebody said, one of our own philosophers here, said that Africans are notoriously religious. You see, that's the problem with us. We are notoriously religious, but we don't believe in the, in the practical, practical aspects of our own freedom. We have made poverty to be our God. As the wealthy make, make their wealth to be our God, 
poverty is our world. We appear to be worshipping poverty and misery. The question I always ask is, is, is it that our God is as poor as we are? Is he as miserable and helpless as we are? My brothers and sisters, let us take another look at the five woes. Let, us, let me assure you that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. What he says he will do, he does. What we may be lacking is sincere, consistent, and unwavering faith and trust in the Lord our God. And in this matter we have become rather shaky, in the shaky of our faith in God. In the matter of full trust in God, we are rather shaky, I must say. And what should we do? Surely we need to repent. Let us remember that our help comes only from the Lord. Let us therefore learn to put our faith and our trust in Him and Him alone. Amen? But remember, the hunter, the hunter who steals and robs others and catches them in his net has now become the hunted. He is on the run. The forces of evil are on the retreat and the, and the forces of good and righteousness are on, on the attack, on the offensive with Christ as our leader. Amen? Keep our, let us keep our eyes on him and him alone. And may God bless you. I thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for speaking to us through the words recorded for us a long, long time ago by the prophet Habakkuk. Help us, Father, to make greater attention to go and make an, analytic, an, an analysis of what has been written, not in just this book, but in the, rest of the, in the rest of the Bible. Let us learn to live according to your word and according to your promises. Not, let us not put our faith or trust in anything else. And we pray these things in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our loving Savior. Amen. This book is just tremendous. We have wholeheartedly obeyed the new teaching and trusted. If God had not breathed into Adam's nostrils, Adam would have remained just a lump of dust. How should we then treat the Bible? All of us are sinners and saved only by grace. For worship, we were created. And for worship, we should ever live. Jesus died for our sins. And so, now that we have put our faith in Him,